The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Guys, they did it again. They did it again. They did it again. Man. I don't know their official titles, but I'm talking about the video production crew, the social media crew there at K-State. Again, don't know the official titles. Please forgive me. But to uh, sort of repeat what K-State commentators said on uh, Twitter, shout out to them. Whatever they're being paid, double it. It's not enough. It, triple it. Because, man, game after game, releasing these bangers. I'm talking about the mayor of Bangtown. With these videos, these wrap-up videos, these recap videos that they've put together after these basketball games for Kansas State. The latest one was uh, released a couple of hours ago, and I got to say, guys, I got the bumps all over my arms. I had to stand up while I watched it. I almost started to make noise whenever they showed a video of KU having the basketball. It had me so fired up. It is called No Knockout Punches, Golden Globe, Emmy, Oscar, whatever you can submit it for, it's probably going to win. Best actor goes to Jerome Tang. Best supporting actor, uh, you know, Desi Sills, Keontae Johnson. Uh, you know, best director, Willie Wildcat. Great video. Uh, it, it might be the best one yet. You know what? Here's, a, here's what I'm going to do. I know it's a video, but I think the sound will also help you tell the story. I'm going to give you a taste. If you haven't seen it yet, I'm going to give you a little taste. Welcome to the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas, number two, Kansas taking on number 13, Kansas State. The student section was wrapped around the football building to get a seat in here today. This place is going to be on fire all night long. These two teams have been doing this since 1907. The defending national champs, the Jayhawks, a perfect 5-0 of the league. K-State at 4-1, and they are off to a great start. I'm going to leave it at that. You got the buildup. Get to Twitter when you can and watch the rest of it. It's four minutes and 15 seconds, and it's golden. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner and Travion Berkland. What's up, Travion? Tired, man. You look like you look like it every day, to be honest with you. I'm running around a lot every day. <laughs> How many hours of sleep do you get per night? Give me an average. Late This week, it's been like three to four that's not healthy i know have you read those studies of what happens to your body when you don't get sleep i don't want to because it'll make me more stressed than i am i for seven and a half years i was getting maybe five or six hours of sleep maybe four to five but i always take a nap in the afternoon you squeezing in naps that's how i get the majority of my sleep is naps are you just basically like taking two long naps or is it just one nap and it's like yeah, four hours long. It depends on the day. It depends on the day. Travion, I want you to get a good night's rest. Just don't sleep on these cats, all right? <laughs> don't sleep on the cats. Nobody should be sleeping on the cats. You know, there's actually probably... I, I mentioned it yesterday as we're, you know, of course, 
There's definitely going to be fan hangover, by the way. We're still talking KU in the win uh, a couple of nights ago. And I, you know, I said yesterday, I don't think two hours is enough to cover every storyline that took place. We didn't even talk about, as it's just Trey and I today, but Troy and I, uh, we never even got to you know, Bill Self calling that timeout when Jalen Wilson took a three that would have put KU up four and probably would have won them the game. I just want to, you know, obviously, Bill Self said it after the game, he'd want to take that one back. That's like the one big regret from the game. Probably didn't have any other regrets for the game. That would be the one, though, they would want back. There's no doubt about that. I want to say, though, it looked like the timeout came pretty close to when Jalen Wilson was shooting that ball, and it was a deep ball. Stan Weber said on the radio broadcast that was Marquise Noel depth for a three-pointer. Bill Self was calling timeout way before the uh, – the shot. He was caught because it was right in front of me. I think it was Jerry Pollard. That was uh, Jerry with a G Pollard was uh, was right in front of me. And Bill Self is calling timeout when the ball's you know top of the key. He didn't, I don't remember who had it before it went to Jalen Wilson, but he was he was starting to yell timeout before he started to scoot over Jer- to Jerry Pollard. So you know his mind was made up with what you know like 13, 12 seconds on the I don't remember what was on the shot clock something like that it felt like, but wanted to call timeout. The decision was made well before the pass, well before the shot. Um, so I don't know if anybody had any questions about that. I'm sure I I would hope you know those details just kind of cleared that up for you. But yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, without that timeout, that's a it's going to be a tough one to overcome, to be quite honest with you. Jalen Wilson, I mean, and did not surprise me he made that shot. But also, I did want to time up the for comedic reasons. My announcement, timeout KU, because he was calling timeout, calling timeout. A little bit of a late whistle. Jalen Wilson takes a shot. I could have said timeout KU right away. I waited to see if that shot went in. It's called a veteran move, boys and girls. Veteran move for comedic timing. little tap on my own back. Uh, and also, by the way, I just want to repeat as well, uh, I did help drum tang off that scores table. I did. I'm not a religious man, but uh, there is a God out there. I've never been closer than on Tuesday night in that moment. Uh, boy, I we forgot to do this yesterday, Travion. I think we need to make up for it. You know what I'm talking about. I even had it on the outline yesterday to get this in. It's a staple here on the show, and for some reason, I completely blanked on it. Um, so, you know what? Since we're you know perfectly in between the KU game heading into Texas Tech on Saturday, let's give the people what they want. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there, having a good time there, purple and white. 
you gotta give the people what they want. Travion has even said it. It's way better than anything Kanye has put out in his time. The cat attack, and that's from the '80s, my friend. It's from the '80s. Let's not get just go ahead. Of just go and tell everybody. <laughs> go and tell everybody what you told us the other day. Cat attack up here. Kanye's down here. Oh boy. I I know. I know. You, we can wait till later. You got to put together the right words to make it, <laughs> you know, give it the true respect it re- it deserves. Here's what we'll do in the meantime, Travion. I actually want to revisit this part of Tuesday night. This is not about who we just beat. This is about us winning. when you do it out of a motive of love and joy and passion. Now I told y'all, we'll get you one court storming from here on out, expect to win. Now, on the other side of that, we did not play this yesterday, and it was a part of the press conference. He actually explained to the media why he decided, Coach Tang that is, to get on the scores table and deliver you know, a, a short speech to the fans that were there still in attendance on the floor that were chanting, you know, well, you know what I'm talking about after the game. Coach Tang explains why he did what he did. Well, I was really disappointed in um, the introduction when our our students started chanting the the FKU chant. It's like crap. I hadn't I hadn't gotten it across yet. There's work to be done and and then at the end of the game when they won the the floor and, and they started chanting it again you know I, I just I really want them to understand that we don't have to degrade the other team we can dislike them all but but let's 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 cheer for us let's just let America hear Kansas State and not hear the other name first of all that sneeze you heard was Marco Bourne I gotta say that's a loud sneeze he is a loud sneezer I'm always impressed by those that can really just rip a good loud sneeze and I'm a big fan of sneezing I think a sneeze feels great now to what Tang said in the press conference. I, I, I do want to echo what D.Y., Derek Young, from Case Center Line and, and myself were talking about yesterday as we got to talking about this. I wanted to talk about it more. We were just kind of short on time. Um, Coach Tang, you need to give yourself more credit, buddy. You really do. You said you, you felt like you hadn't got your point across. I, I think you have. I think you had before Tuesday night. It goes back to Purple Power Play in the park. I saw the video of you talking to the people there, and I I would imagine there wasn't a ton of students there. I'm sure there were some, but it was, of course, a lot of families and all that. It wasn't like the student body, right? And that's where the message started. And I don't know if Coach Tang said anything when they had the the student event. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like every year a Bill Snyder Family Stadium gave out his phone number. Uh, But also going to the student section for the first couple of football games, wabashing with the team. You know, if Coach Tang wasn't there, I don't know if the chant stops. We would, we would hear the chant at every game. Every game. Football, men's basketball, every game. That doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I th- you know, Coach Tang was willing to take on this, and people were willing to listen to him. Willing to listen to him. Um, and I think a big reason why they're willing to listen to him is because of 
him winning his introductory press conference, impressing us, was very likable. We got to know not only Coach Tang the coach, Coach Tang the preacher. I, like I said after that introductory press conference, that guy is going to be a great preacher when he gets done with coaching. Great talker, attention-grabbing, and people will listen. And people have continued to listen. Football game comes around. It's KU coming to town for the Sunflower Showdown. The chant arrives again. It's because it's KU. It wasn't because the point was not getting across. I think it is. Um, basketball game comes around. KU's in town. You hear the chant some more. Um, that was at no surprise to anybody. I think Derek Young brought up a good point, and I noticed this as well. The first one was pretty loud. After that, it wasn't as loud, and it didn't last as long. Coach Tang, it's fading away. And we have you to thank for that. I, I've never been a fan of it. And the reason is because Bill Self is a fan of it, if that makes sense. Bill Self told me a Big 12 media day for basketball that he has never minded the chant. You know, okay, so maybe I shouldn't say he liked it. He just didn't mind it. Because it's bulletin board material. It gets his team fired up. Because KU's coming out for warm-ups and they're hearing, you know, they're hearing, of course, you know, they're getting heat. You know, they're hearing from everybody, right? Um, in the whole, you know, we can dislike him, but, you know, the chanting, let's keep it K-State. Fine message. Nothing wrong with that. Now, I mean, when they're down, I mean, sometimes you feel like you just kind of have to come off the top rope with an elbow drop. Now, the other part of that was the court storm. My first initial thought when I heard that was, well, you know, you're kind of asking to change the culture of college basketball. Court storming is a very big part of college basketball, obviously. The ones, the fan bases, the ones I say, the the fan bases that don't court storm are the ones that are used to winning. They have won national championships. They're the winningest programs in college basketball. KU, Duke, North Carolina, uh, Indiana no longer. Uh, they, they court stormed years ago against Duke, and I think they're willing to do it again, uh, even though that was an insane finish. Uh, I think most people know what I'm talking about when Duke, uh, anyway, uh, you know, Kentucky wouldn't storm the court, Florida, you know, Keontae Johnson told us, uh, now this wasn't recorded because this was like not officially the press conference, but I don't think, I don't think this is off the record or anything. He just said, you know, Florida is a place they also don't court storm. It's because they won back-to-back national championships. But, you know, Coach Tang, we've learned that the fans are willing to listen. Um, you know, the last time... K-State was 16-2, and two, was 2010. And to get to 16-2, and two, this is interesting, right? The last time K-State was 16-2, and two, the win that got them there was the home win against Texas, when Texas was number one in the country. And I was very surprised after that win that the, the fans did not storm the court. Um. Now, two weeks later, something like that, was when number two KU came in for college game days. I didn't realize it was that few games apart from those two memorable games. But KU comes to town. I think if K-State wins that game, fans are storming the court, no doubt about it. Rivalry, top five matchup. 
But also, I think, you know, for a, for a moment there, when K-State's winning, K-State's one of the best teams in the country, they're top 15, and they're off to a great start, you know, and, and for, for a short time there, K-State fans felt like, you know, for, for, for a short time that they've arrived. K-State basketball has arrived again, and we're better than storming the floor. Because we're going to be here multiple times, and guess what? That obviously, through a few years later, would fade away. That mentality just has to be built back up again. You don't have to win national championships if you want to erase the court-storming atmosphere or the court-storming culture. And I don't know if everybody would exactly be a fan of that. But I guess what I want to get to is when I hear that from Coach Tang, he is, I think, at the same time, not only delivering a message, he wants to better us. He's a coach. He wants to better us as well. And wants to have us cheer for the right reasons, and I, I understand all of that. But when I hear Coach Tang say what he has been saying, delivering the message to the students, the fan base, and everything we've heard the last couple of weeks, and also with the course storming, I, and I gave you one, now expect to win. Expect to win, I thought was a hell of a line to finish that speech. Because you're damn right I'm expecting to win. And I think everybody else is starting 16-2, and two, the best start ever from a first-year head coach in K-State men's basketball. Expecting to win against Texas Tech. He is very loudly as well telling us the goals for this program. And there's no doubt about it that Coach Tang wants to take Kansas State to a blue blood level. A major goal in mind is a national championship. And man, doesn't it feel like he's the one that could take us there? Four, three, four stars coming in next year. Now they're offering five stars for 2024. I think what I love about this, going back to uh, Andy Bernard in the office, in the finale, he said, I don't remember the exact quote, but he's like, I wish somebody would tell us back in the good old days that we're living in the good old days. K-State fans, we're right now living the beginning of the good old days. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Never done before because, quite honest, I'm a little worried about a little hangover, a little KU hangover. So we'll get to that when we come back on the game. Oh, that'd be a good idea, yeah. <laughs> Mythological hero Achilles. I can't accept that. Okay. Shelby. I'll solve. Yeah. Mythological hero Achilles. Yeah, that's it. Uh, oh, boy. Well. Uh, oh, Indiana, that's why you're still rushing the floor. Good Lord. Indiana Hoosier student dropping the ball, and Texas A&M cleans it up. I don't know what's more embarrassing, botching that puzzle or uh, Texas A&M reaping the benefits from your mistake. Welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner and Travion Brooklyn coming up in hour number two. Mason Vogt from Email Online will help us kick off the hour. Mitch in Vegas is also making its return. Plus, um, coming up tonight here on Came In, we have coverage of Manhattan High Boys basketball. They're taking on Shawnee Mission East with approximate start time of 630 uh, for tip-off. 
That means Troy would join us about 15 minutes prior. Again, it's a tournament in McPherson at the Roundhouse. And um, so that's an approximate start time for uh, for Manhattan. So uh, that's coming up after our show. Plus, uh, tomorrow we will not have a show. I'll be out of the office. Uh, also, uh, Troy, of course, will be on location in McPherson. But there's also a chance that the Manhattan game will be over our, our four to six anyway. So, uh, But if we do have to fill time, there will be a best of show tomorrow. All right. Um, number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything, will wrap us up as well. Before, I, uh, before the break, I said that uh, I've never done what I'm about to do. And that's because I want to make sure I want to try to do my best that I can use with the power invested in me to try to make sure there's no hangover from the KU win. So, Travion, you ready to roll? Yes, sir. Go ahead and hit it. Here's Mitch Ball. Saturday, two days before the game. Who does this? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this because (sighs) cats are hot right now, right? Just beat KU in one of the greatest games in Bramlage Coliseum history. And Texas Tech is coming to town Saturday. Now, K-State number 13 in the country. 6-2 6-2 record, 5-1 in Big 12 play, tied for first place. Texas Tech is 10-8, 0-6 in conference play. They are the only team in Big 12 play right now through the first third of the games that are without a win. Cats, of course, beat number two, KU Tech. Other than a 34-point loss to Iowa State in Ames, boy, did that get ugly, especially in the second half. They're losing by an average of 4.6 points a game in Big 12 play, so they've lost a lot of close ones, including two points to Texas, three points to KU, and that game was in Lubbock. Texas Tech coming off a season where they did not lose back-to-back games. Mark Adams in his first year did not lose back-to-back games and finished 12-6 in Big 12 play. To match that, Tech has to sweep the rest of the competition. Obviously, that's not going to happen. They did split the games with K-State last year. But Texas Tech is winless on the road. As a matter of fact, they didn't play a true road game until they played TCU to open Big 12 play on December 31st. Of course, lost. They're 0-3 on the road, but close losses TCU. And in game, they led by 11 points at the half. And they blew it. Just like Oklahoma State did to KU. By the way, shout out to the Pokes. Boy did, boy, did Oklahoma look like crap in the second half. If you watched Bedlam last night, geez Louise. Porter, Porter Mosier, what's going on? Tech currently 0-6 against ranked opponents as well. So keep that in mind. To be honest with you, there's not a whole lot that impresses me about Texas Tech. But I will say, a lot of the statistics, like, There's not like a bunch of horrible ones. They're kind of in the middle of a pack in a lot of these stats. As I mentioned, a lot of close losses, they're not exactly horrible statistically. But I will say one area they do struggle with is turnovers. They're a bit sloppy at times. Texas Tech is the worst team in the conference in play, in conference play, 
with 15.7 turnovers per game. Worst game was, again, well, second worst was at Iowa State with 19. They had 23 turnovers a game. They led by 11 at the half. 23 turnovers at TCU. Meanwhile, Texas Tech, they don't force enough to make up for it. They're forcing 11 and a half. That's third worst in the conference. And assist to turnover ratio is pretty bad as when it comes to the offensive side of things, throwing the ball, setting up a shooter, they're only averaging 10 assists on 23 made field goals per game. Now I will say, and I was impressed with him last year, he's having a good season this year, Kevin O'Banner. He's a senior. He transferred in last year, 6'8 Ford, who is actually 53 points away from 2,000 in his career. And in the last game that they played, grabbed a thou- his 1,000th rebound in 141 career games. He is the league's ninth leading scorer at 15.1 points per game. And he also grabs the league's ninth most rebounds, 6.3 a game. Now, you know, I could obviously single out a few more tech players that do you know, worry me a little bit, but I will say they, they may rotate it more than anybody else in the Big 12 when it comes to guys going in and out of the game. Texas Tech has 11 players that average at least 10 minutes a game. Six of them averaging at least 10 points a game. Well, there was one player that's averaging 9.9. I'm more than okay to round up. Not a big deal. The rest of the team is averaging four points or less a game. But I will say three-point shooting. Again, Tech is – well, Big 12 play hasn't been great. But they are a little bit middle of the pack when it comes to the season – if they're left open, they can knock down a few once in a while. But Pop Isaacs, who's a 6'2 freshman, is a good three-point shooter. 76.5%, Jesus, 37.6% on the year. Uh, he's almost making three three-pointers a game, so he's going to shoot it. However, defensively, like we were talking about, assist to turnover earlier. Defensively, Texas Tech does struggle with giving up the threes. They're giving up a league worst 8.8 a game on 37%. Texas Tech is only averaging 65 points a game in league play. They're giving up 75. You know, they just struggle with keeping up with teams at times. And they don't know how to close a game. That's that's another big issue. They can't figure it out how to be resilient. And that's a big difference between these two teams. K-State is just about the definition of resilience in college basketball. Texas Tech is not. My keys to this matchup is simple. No KU hangover. Move on. That's why I'm doing this today. I, You know, typically, if we didn't have a show on Friday and there was a game Saturday, I just probably wouldn't do Mitch Palm. But there is that short, you know, that slight concern that there will be a little bit of hangover. And K-State doesn't come out and perform like they should against a team like Texas Tech this year. I mean, I don't want to take too much away from Texas Tech. Again, they've played a lot of close games. They've had a bunch of heartbreakers. But again, they don't know how to win games. They just haven't figured that out yet. They only had one returning starter, handful of transfers. So hopefully no KU hangover, and the other one is just expect to win. And I expect to win. I expect K-State to win. Ken Palm has K-State at a 72% chance of winning this game by the final score of 75-69.
I'm putting K-State at 84% chance of winning. Final score, Cats 77, Tech 66. And that's Mitch Palm. When we come back, oh, what's up? Breaking news, David Crosby died from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Trayvon, you need to warn me, buddy. Sorry. Holy cow. Wow. Uh, I thought he was going to live forever. He was 81. Yeah. I thought he was older than that. Crap. Now I'm trying to figure out a good transition into break. That's a bummer, man. We. Yeah, it's, Jan- January's it's, not been a good month. It's been a crazy 2023 so far in terms of death, celebrity deaths. It's... Travion, play us some Crosby, Stills, and Nash when we come back. Gotcha. It's a game. K-M-A-N. Probably the most uh, recognized Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash song. Travion just broke the news just a few moments ago that David Crosby has passed away at the age of 81. Could have played Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Could have played the birds. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. Turn, turn, turn. I think he was there for turn, turn, turn. Definitely was, for Mr. Tambourine Man. He was there in that classic period of the birds. Yeah. Yeah, if you like any folk rock, you've you've heard of David Crosby. There's no doubt about that. Performed at Woodstock. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. That's a big one in my opinion. I think he had an album released within the last year. I saw his interview with Stern a little bit, and he was talking about 
literally like looking at the end of his life and what he wants to, you know, what he wants his legacy to look like and everything like that. So I've always loved his look. David Crosby's look. It, it was to it's me it's kind of an iconic look. Yeah, it's been pretty consistent since like 1980. Oh yeah. Always had the long hair. When I say long hair, just about down to his shoulders, had the mustache. And I think I don't know how long he had had it, but he always had like the hat. Um, trying to think of how I can I don't know what kind of hat it was. Like it was like a um like a beanie, does that make sense? It was like a wool beanie. I'll have usually. to look it up. Joe Pesci's uh, Joe Pesci's character in Home Alone. Remember that hat he wore? A wool cap. Yeah, something of? like that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I always thought he. I always thought that was a great look. It, it rocked it. Always had a great mustache. Turn this up. What have I got to He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Five albums. Birds and also Crosby, Stills, Nash, also Young. Throw Young in there as well. In and um, out. Yeah. Two of their albums made it into uh, Rolling Stone's Top 500 Greatest, as I'm reading here. Father of Melissa... Estridge's kids. That was a big thing. Oh yeah. Early two thousands. Everyone was like, he was that's who you chose to be the father of your kids? Interesting. Shout to uh she from I think she's from Atchison. Oh really? Yeah, she she's from Kansas. Big Chiefs fan. Leavenworth. Leavenworth, that's right. That's crazy. She's twenty years younger than David Crosby. And you said they had kids early 2000s? Yeah, like... Um, so she would have been... Go ahead. You go ahead. I, I don't know what year that would have been. I'm looking here. It says in 2000. Um, okay, so she would have been in her late 30s. Right. And he would have been knocking on the door of 60. Right. And he just served as, you know, her sp- sperm donor, you know. Oh, okay. I, yeah, like they weren't in a relationship. But they're hooking yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's why everyone was like, who's the father? And they're, she was like, oh, it's David Crosby. And everyone's like, what? Well, and I think Melissa Atherton is gay anyway. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, she, mm-hmm. yeah. So, take back those thoughts. And then he also raised Drew Barrymore for a time when... She wasn't with her parents, you know, because there was that weirdness. Oh, this is the best part, Turner. Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. I was looking to see if they ever had a number one, and they did not. 
The closest song Crosby, Stills, and Nash had to going number one was just a song Before I Go. Reached number seven. That song's not as cool as this. Yeah, the early period is the best. Oh, yeah. Ohio stands out to me. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, obviously the uh, the sports have come to a screeching halt. Um, when I hear about a great musician passing away, I love music. Love music. It was probably my first love. When it comes to interests, it definitely came before sports, came before wrestling, because my, my earliest memories as a kid were listening to K-Rock and... First favorite band was Leonard Skinnerd because I thought the song "That Smell" was about farts, and now and now <laughs> I've learned what it's about, and it's com- something completely different, right? Um, but Crosby, Stills, and Nash, like the folk style of rock, learning about Bob Dylan, uh, that didn't come until college when I got into that, and it's because I had friends that were into it. I was like, oh, I, you know, I haven't really ever given this a, sh- a chance. Right. I've always been classic rock, Zeppelin, taking into the 90s. And I, I, was, I was, God, I used to be way more of a music snob. I'm, I'm much less of a snob now than I was back in my college days. I was really all about the rock. I, I was okay with a little bit of like nostalgic music, 90s, but I was a big rock guy. And now I've, I've really broadened my horizons. Of course, there's still some I won't listen to. As I told you yesterday, I have the best taste in music. Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young. The Birds, yeah, absolutely fall into that category. Some music you would hear in bars. Not really. You wouldn't hear it outside of your house, probably, if you liked it. But yeah, my my parents were right in that time period, so this kind of music was always prominent in the house. 537-1350, 537-1350, if you've ever seen Crosby, Stills, and Nash slash Ann Young in concert, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear what a Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert was like. Definitely low-key. A lot of lighters. But I want to know how much were people smoking. I want to know the real details. I want to know how many people were there. I want to know where it was at. What did they close with? Like that. What did they open with? Those are the kind of details I want to know. I I have an idea of what the mood would be like. Right. Because I'm familiar with their music. Neil Young's definitely on my bucket list of people I need to see. Like, I don't think David Crosby would be sprinting from one side to the other on the stage and and plucking away. (laughs) Not quite. And carrying around his microphone. No, No, it's... Not, not probably too much of that. I mean, even their Woodstock performance was probably the most low-key of like all the Woodstock performances. I have a, I have a Blu-ray DVD of, of it's, it's the Woodstock documentary where they play a lot of what, ha- you know, just, I don't think there was really any talking on it, like no editorials or anything or any interviewing. It was just, no narrating. It was just the scene of, of Woodstock. This is what we filmed. We threw it together, edited down a little bit. It's like four hours long, and I still haven't sat down and watched it. I need to because I've it. seen I've seen many clips, and of course I've seen documentaries on Woodstock '69. But I will be honest with you: there's no better documentary or documentaries than Woodstock '99. And the that's quite a story. 
it's to me one of the most insane music stories I've ever heard. The three days of Woodstock 99. All right, when we come back, hour number two, we are going to kick things off with Mason Vogt from Ema Online. I'm going to return with Mitch in Vegas as well, number one song of the day, and ask us anything will take us into the weekend. Hour two coming up in a few moments, and so is your local news.